What's up guys and welcome to episode 2 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. Hey guys and welcome to episode 2 of the Revive Yourself podcast. So today's guest is Dr. John Bergman, all the way from California, and we cover such topics as cancer, Ebola, um, we look at Crohn's disease, vaccinations, pulmonary fibrosis, so we cover a broad spectrum of topics and I'm sure you're going to learn a whole deal. So without further ado, here he is and I hope you enjoy the show. Recorded. <laughs> You're on, uh, you're on candy camera. So I'm just here with <laughs> Dr. Uh, John Bergman um, from California, who's uh, been part of the alternative, I say alternative, medicine world now for the last 18 years, roughly. Yeah, about yeah, that. About that. Um, chiropractor and has, well, in my opinion, is an absolute encyclopedia of knowledge that everyone could really benefit from listening to. Every time I've listened to him, um, He's reinforced some of the uh, theories. Should I say that um, I've I know are true, and he's also enlightened me into to broadening my horizons, which has always been fantastic. So, um, guys in England, you probably may not know so much of John. Um, I heard him first on a podcast called Extreme Health Radio, and ever since I've been hooked to to his YouTube channel. He's got over four hundred videos, I think it is now. I, I, Maybe five. Maybe, maybe five hundred videos. Um, and he's also got a very good website, uh, www.ownersguide.com, where you can get all this information. I think it's for a small subscription. Um, but I think the first seven days are free. Is that correct? The first first seven days are free. It's owners dash guide. Right. And what's neat there is you can get all the handouts, flyers, everything. Fantastic. So, um, had a few questions, but generally, like anyone who's passionate about the work they do, um, you just got to wind John up and away he goes. So, um, it was just currently <laughs> before we came on air, or on air, just before we started recording, um, talking about how, well, it was a bit, a, bit, a bit on vaccines, really, and about how I was actually questioned the other day, someone who said that... Um, well, we don't have any, any of the diseases that we used to have, uh, quote, diphtheria, uh, amongst others. I think it was smallpox, diphtheria, um, and get it up again, uh, smallpox, tetanus, yellow fever, whooping cough, polio, measles, and then they um, told me, I hope I never needed the vaccine, which I promptly uh, told them I would never get. So uh, just wanted to know your thoughts on, on that, John. What would you, what, what would you have said? Well, what's, what's interesting is because they're, they're living a myth, a delusion. When you look at this, just take smallpox, okay, for instance. In, in England, they, um, when, when it was all the, the vogue to, you know, scratch the arm and put a live um, virus inside of the arm and walk around, Leicester, England, decided not to do it. 
So if you look in what they did, they had less death rate, they had almost no transmission of the smallpox, and they just cleaned up the, the sewers, they got fresh water, and they did it through infrastructure. And this has always been um, like discounted because the diseases are not around anymore, not because of the vaccines, but because of infrastructure. And it, it's like, uh, take, take tetanus. And this is, this is a myth that you'll hear over and over and over again in the, in the medical community. We're science-based. We're this. You know, it's a vaccine-preventable disease. Well, not only is that foolish, but if you look in the 1800s, there were 200 deaths for every 100,000 wounds. You know, in, in you know, wounds, 200 people died of tetanus. In 1900, it went down to 41 deaths per 100,000 injuries. By 1940, so we're talking World War II here, it was 0.4 deaths for every 100,000 wounds. And now, um, well, the tetanus vaccine didn't come out until 1948. So you get this, like, delusion that, that it's a vaccine-preventable disease when the vaccines did nothing. There's a really good um, video that just came out. It's called Trace Amounts. And it tells the story of a young, healthy guy that cut himself while he was gardening. And, of course, you know, he was thinking that the medical system is based in science. So he goes to the doctor, gets a tetanus shot, and has a massive autoimmune response to that. Um, it, it, it just doesn't make any sense. When somebody talks about measles, that you had, uh, when the measles, before the measles vaccine came out, and they're saying, people are dying from the measles, you know, run, panic. Well, you had one in New York recently, didn't you? Uh, oh, it, it just doesn't make any sense because well, that's that's the whole thing. It's not uh, none of the medical procedures are based in empowerment or to tell you that your body's intelligent, self healing, self regulating. Um, it, it's all based in fear to guide that public into a medical procedure that could be toxic. You had a forty six times greater rate of dying of a congenital malformation than dying of the measles before the vaccine came out. Yeah. So, so the facts are, are completely not congruent with the delusion, okay, that these prevent and save us. Uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I've read in a, a journal somewhere that countries that didn't have the polio vaccine uh, were cured of the polio or cured of polio. They got rid of the polio twice as fast as those that did have the vaccine. So, I mean, yeah. for, for me, vaccine, vaccinations, I think a lot of people don't realize um, what even goes into a vaccination. Um, I mean, you can just touch upon that. I mean, I'll say mercury and formaldehyde, etc. Um, um, embryos, they take it from the embryo of a chicken egg, is that, isn't that correct? Well, there's, it's, viruses aren't really alive. And so you have to find the best growth medium for them. And they're, they're like well-organized molecular parasites. So some viruses will grow really good in monkey kidney tissue or dog kidney tissue or aborted human fetal cells. There's, there's a lot of different growth mediums. So what you do is, like, let's say we had no morals, no ethics, no science and decided to build some vaccines. What you want, you want a cell culture that's reproducible. And those are called neoplastic cell growth mediums. So when you look on the ingredients and it says dog kidney, monkey kidney, all of these they're not taking a dog out, cutting them up, slicing up the kidney, growing it. They have these cell cultures that are immortal cell lines. Yeah. And an immortal cell culture is also cancer cells because they, they don't die. They just keep reproducing. 
So you might be concerned that you're growing a vaccine or, or a medical therapy in a, a neoplastic cell growth medium or cancer cells and injecting it into people. So um, what, what diseases do we have today? You know, massive neurologic diseases. Uh, and we're not just talking the autism. Those guys are the, the walking dead. Well, what about yeah. the walking wounded? I think you said something like uh, it would be – I think I remember hearing you say you think – Autistic children will outnumber uh, non-autistic children in two thousand in twenty 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 three. Yep, two thousand twenty three. Yeah, yeah. If if statistics are don't you know don't change. Yeah. And uh, it, it's it's mind-boggling because well, there's a, a great study. Um, I think it was out of the Journal of Toxicology that compared four countries. It was comparing Australia, United Kingdom, United States. And um, oh, Denmark, I think it was, but but the, all the rates of of autism took a spike, and it was a similar spike on all four of those countries. And what was interesting is because you know there has to be an external or an external environmental source because they're not drinking the same water or eating the same food. You know, genetics don't spike up like that. So they looked into the environmental cause, and sure enough, um, it it. Has, has to be the vaccines. That's the only um, single consistent therapy, okay, done in those countries. And then you start looking at the ingredients in the vaccines, and it's it's neurotoxic. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. I would never, um, yeah, having been down that road and having um, know how ill and toxic it made me, I, I would never do it myself. I mean, it's up to other people to make their mind up. I'm having listened to people like yourself. Um, but it's not a road I, I want to go down. Um, this is, I remember, so the reason you said uh, you generally, well, you got into what you do is you yourself had a car accident. Yeah, that's correct? Oh, yeah. That, that's, uh, it, I was thrown into this. <laughs> I think, well, yeah. well it, was, it, was, it was interesting before. I mean, I you know, wasn't into flu shots or drugs or anything like that, but I just really didn't pay attention to it. Yeah, yeah. And then here I'm hit by a car, and I have both my legs broken, my sternum fractured, my skull fractured. And and thank God, I mean, medical science, uh, when it comes to emergency medicine, is the best in the world. Crisis care, yeah. But, but also, why? Because they're not trying to control symptoms, they're fixing a problem. And that's the, that's the big difference between if you're trying to um, control symptoms, uh, the, the outcome is devastating. And that's why controlling symptoms like in cholesterol or blood pressure or – it doesn't make sense. But in emergency medicine, they're not trying to control symptoms. They're fixing stuff. Yeah. And then I got out and, you know, I had some a, a knee operation and that felt good. Then another knee operation, then another one. So I had four knee operations and my knees kept feeling worse and worse and worse. And what did the surgeon say? He said, well – don't worry, a couple more knee operations and we'll give you some drugs and a few years from now, you know, we can replace the knees. I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad, I got two kids, you know, I can't do this stuff. I need healthy knees. So I got into chiropractic because my chiropractor at the time was saying, no, your body's designed to heal. So then I started to tutor human dissection and I started to open up the knees and I'm, I'm dissecting hundreds of knees and I'm thinking, wait a second, this is living tissue. Can it grow? And so then I started to experiment. And then when I got into practice, I used those experiments on my patients. And I'm finding, oh, my God, 
the knee can regenerate, joints can regenerate, arthritis is reversible, yeah. and it was just like a light bulb moment. Uh, arthritis is reversible. It's some of the things that you say, I mean, obviously I, I know myself where you're coming from, but some of the listeners might not. So when you say things like, I've heard you say before, does disease really exist? And they go, what do you mean? I mean, of course disease exists. So when you say arthritis is reversible, can you just expand on that a little for us? Just to- Oh, yeah. What, what's, what's interesting is if you cut yourself, yeah. okay, it, it turns red, it swells up, um, and more blood flows, and then after a period of time, a scab forms. But is inflammation bad? That, that is, is that what we take inflammation? <laughs> right. I love the way you set up the question. It's, you're right, inflammation evil. And that, that's, that's the weird part because inflammation or, or a local inflammatory response is different from a systemic inflammatory response. Local inflammation, like if you cut yourself, that's how the body regenerates tissue. It's, it increases the metabolism so new cells are created. And, and we know this. Systemic inflammation is different. That's, that's if you're eating toxic food, toxic um, medical therapies, because, um, well, when you're talking about inflammation, inflammation of the brain would be bad. It's one of the side effects of vaccines, inflammation of the brain. But local inflammation is brilliant. Now, this is the tough part. This is why a lot of medical doctors and, well, a lot of physicians don't see um, arthritis reversed. What's their primary therapy? It's a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. And and what those drugs do, and we're talking about every, you know, every over-the-counter, every prescription one, they inhibit proteoglycan production. It's the building block of cartilage. So the primary therapy is to decrease the body's ability to heal. One of the ways that we do reverse arthritis, and, and i got to tell you, we have thousands and thousands of before and after x-rays to document not just the structural changes, but the regeneration of discs. And this is what, what drives people crazy because they're in that mindset, that myth, that tissue, that discs can't regenerate. Sure. So, and it is. Yeah. It, um, it, the, the communicating with, with surgeons is the toughest part. Because, well, I got an orthopedic surgeon, his hands were going up, and I had to explain to him, yes, we have to regenerate the discs in the neck. And, and he looked at me, what? And I said, well, is it living tissue or dead? He said, well, well and, and he's stuttering, and I'm saying, look, are discs alive or are discs dead? And he said, well, they're alive. Now, so if they're alive, they have to take in nutrients, produce proteins, eliminate waste products. So if we can increase their metabolism, is it possible that they can regenerate? And I felt like I was beating them up, but, you know, he eventually agreed that it's alive and they shouldn't be able to regenerate. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one, um, especially, well, from, from my point of view, I, I've had doctors come to me for help before and people go, well, doctors come to you, you're not a doctor, so... No, no, I'm not. That's um, why so I'm getting someone like you on here is great because I haven't got a doctorate, but I've been doing what I do for about a decade now, and uh, I know generally you say all the theory in the world is great, but when you get the practical, the practical um, experience, nothing, nothing in my opinion beats that. But as you as you can say, it's very hard sometimes to. Uh, well, they've been taught a certain way, and they uh, that were their um, products of that, I suppose. And when you go down a different route and it opens up your eyes, it's. I always say it's like. Um, well, this rabbit hole is very deep. It's like the matrix. We take the blue pill, the red pill. When you take that red pill and you go down that <laughs> hole, it opens up. Um, so, it, it's, I've heard, so 
Oh yeah, of course. I remember. Um, I think it was one of the doctors come out when he had that measles outbreak, and and he come out and he put his neck on the line, and he was like, "You shouldn't be worried about the hepatitis B. He's worried about the food you're eating and, and all the toxic animals you're eating." And he was saying about that, and it was like for someone to come out of that sort of medical um, industry and say that was quite big um, from him. So I was going to say, so when so when you're talking about um, well, when we talk about disease. I was actually, while we're on that, actually, <laughs> Ebola, right? So oh, just, yeah. Just because just I've had um, people say, you can't say that it, it, I, myself, if I put myself out there, I'm, I'm not too sure if it uh, even happened. But, okay, that's my, that's my view. Um, and well, I can be shut down for that. That's fine. But I know that they, they like to, these pharmaceutical companies like to um, put, put uh, things out there, in my opinion. But... <laughs> If you just, um, are there other hemorrhagic fevers present exactly? Yeah. You tell me. Dozens. Yeah. Okay. Now, how do they identify that this person is dying from Ebola yeah. and this person is dying from tuberculosis? Right. Okay. Do they have the facilities to identify whether it's Ebola or one other hemorrhagic fever? No, they don't. So it's a total guess. And this is why um, it, it was tough because, of course, the vaccine industry wanted to capitalize on the fear and, you know, sell a, a, a product to panicked uh, Americans and Brits. I, I mean, I had Orange County housewives going in to say, what am I going to do? How do I protect my kids from Ebola? And I said, okay, give them vitamin C, you know, give them vitamin D3, they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. And But when you look at Ebola, I actually did a talk on Ebola. The, the, the one test, and it's even not definitive, it's called a PCR test, and it, where they take a small strand of a little bit of a DNA and they reproduce it and they try and identify it has this certain type. They weren't doing that on most of the people that were dying. And they had so much, they tr tried to keep the panic up in order to build the product, you know, which is going to be a vaccine, and to sell it. Yeah. Um, it could, because yeah. people are getting better too fast. They don't do that, do they? They don't make products for money, do they? Or, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. Biggest industry in the world, baby. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and you can only sell it if you if you um, create the interest or develop the, the panic. That's, that's, that's what I was saying. It was panic. They seem to have a disease that comes out every few years. Um, before that, I think it was swine flu. And before that, it was another one I can't remember. But, um, yeah. So go, going on to this, like you remember you saying before about um, d disease, something I've heard you talk about before, disease, and mm. does it really exist? Well, I know I, I say to people, like, give the body the right circumstances, it will heal. It will uh, it will heal, heal. It has an innate ability to heal from anything. Um, if you give it the right the right foods, the right nourishment, if you're living the right life. But people seem to believe, or some people still seem to believe it is, um, that it's just bad luck when you get disease. Um, and if you get it, you can just take a pill, or exact, or, for example, and... Poof! It's gone. Um, I don't know. What, what, I just wondering. I know your thoughts, but I just like to hear it again. <laughs> I love the way you put it, Ryan. It's it's um, in the medical world. It's bad luck or bad genes. Yeah. Okay. It's it just sometimes happens, and none of those are true. Bad genes. If if you it, yeah, bad luck or bad genes. Mm. 
I mean, when you look at genes, there's gene expression, and, and that's, that's a heck of a tangent we can go off on. But when, when you're just talking about disease, what are the main diseases? And now, now I was given a talk at a high school, and, I, and I'm asking all my teenage patients what they wanted to hear. Because I'm thinking girls and cars. And they wanted to find out about heart disease, cholesterol, diabetes. And I'm going, you're, you're 15 years old. How could you possibly want to know about that? Because that's what their lives are being affected by. So, I mean, just take high cholesterol. Um, there's a really good movie, and I think it's out of England, called The Staten Nation. Yeah. And it's just absolutely brilliant. There's a number of other books called The Cholesterol Myth. Again, brilliant. So you actually have to do the research. But when you find out, high cholesterol is not a disease. It's an adaptation to environmental stimulus. Cholesterol, you make every glucocorticosteroid, minocorticosteroid, sex hormone, anti-inflammatory, everything. The, the, the building block cholesterol actually helps you fight cancer and helps you fight, fight inflammation, and it doesn't clog arteries. So high cholesterol is not a disease. High blood pressure is not a disease. If you look at people in a gymnasium, when they're lifting, with what, what, I mean, their face is red, they're straining and everything else. That's extremely high blood pressure. Okay, you don't want to reduce it if you have some type of, say, a kidney disorder, if you have a lung disorder, or if you have um, a dehydration, or you have a toxic diet where the blood isn't healthy. Like, let's say you have a diet high in polyunsaturated fats. You didn't know canola oil or soy oil or, or a lot of the, uh, the seed oils, corn oil, or that those are extremely toxic. Okay, if you have unhealthy blood, the blood pressure has to go up in order to adapt. So high blood pressure is not a disease, and and that's and fibromyalgia is one of my favorite ones. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I had a patient two days ago. We get fibromyalgia patients in all the time, and at least a couple a week, and they'll come in with having this pain for years, and it's part of their psyche, their identity. And I go and I'll tell him, I said, well, well, what, what does fibromyalgia weigh? How big is it? What, what's the shape of it? And, and they're, they're looking at me and they're going, what, what, what do you mean? Well, you know, I have the, the, all the tender points that give me that diagnosis. I said, no, that's a tender point in your body. Or could that be an adaptation to environmental stimulus? Could all diseases, okay, be an adaptation or most of the diseases? Ebola is different because there's actually a bug that can... That can that that causes a hemorrhagic fever, yeah. but even then, it has to be expressed. Yeah. You have to have a weakened immune system in order for it to regenerate. Yeah. Healthy immune systems fight this stuff off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that's the case. If you've got a healthy immune system, it's when you said <clears throat> about genetics versus genetic expression. Uh, that's something I remember. I'd be talking about it when you said um, one of your patients come to you, and I think they said, "Oh, I've got." heart disease in my family and you said okay how many people have died of heart disease in your family and they were <laughs> and they said well two two people and you said okay how many people haven't and they were like about seven you're like exactly you don't have it's not genetic it's genetic expression i think that's the thing where if you're living the right life and doing the right things it's completely different to if you're not if you're eating those toxic foods and living that lifestyle i mean it's fun it can be fun to live that way, but it, it doesn't end very, very well for most people. Um, talking about disease, if you're going on to, um, we hit the big one, the big one that gets thrown around, um, 
because every advert you see on TV uh, wear the pink wristbands, go run a marathon. Um, probably everyone I think I know has had someone die from cancer. Um, and I probably speak to quite a few doctors these days um, that have been curing cancer for, for years. But I say that... Um, <laughs> I say that quite reservedly because people say you can't cure cancer. They haven't been able to cure cancer. Um, thoughts? I mean, well, I mean, you must you must deal with a few people that come in to see you for this. Oh, all the time. All the time. All the time. Because I mean, the, the the cancer rates now are through the roof. You're, you're talking 30, 30 to fifty percent of the population. Yeah. And what's tough is when they're looking at a cure. They're they're not looking at um, the, the cause, and that's the most frustrating thing because they're ninety five percent of all cancers are preventable. I mean, we know that, but the money is not spent in healthy amounts of vitamin D or walking every day or realizing that the medications and certain medical therapies increase your cancer risk. Uh, like take um, reflux, you know, indigestion, gastroesophageal reflux. They, if you have reflux where, you're, where after you eat your meal, you know, it burns your throat, you know, and, and it's indigestion, it's horrible. Well, they'll give a proton pump inhibitor or, or you know, something, a, a type of antacid. However, and they say, look, if that acid hits the esophagus, it's really bad, dangerous. Except if you take that proton pump inhibitor, it increases esophageal cancers. So the therapy that they're giving to prevent a cancer actually increases it. Uh, same thing with cholesterol drugs. They're going to decrease progesterone production, and that's going to increase cancer. Um, if you're taking the standard flu shot or, or all the vaccines, those are made of oncogenic cells or neoplastic cell growth medium that can increase your cancer. Toxic food. But then we have to look at what cancer is. Is cancer an adaptation to environmental stimulus or is it an actual disease? Is breast cancer a problem of the breast or is it a problem of the immune system? Now, now this, I mean, because you can see little tiny brains that are listening to this. All of a sudden the brains start to expand and think, whoa, is cancer, are we being attacked by cancer? Or is it an, an intelligent adaptation to environmental stimulus that it's actually a weakening in the immune system? So does this mean all cancers, that means colon cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer, um, all those cancers are from a defect or a weakening in the immune system, and all cancers are systemic? Wow! Because that's when you find out that if you treat cancers, it has an immune system problem. And this is where the doctors that are curing cancer, they're not treating breast cancer like the problem of the breast. They're not treating colon cancer like a problem of the colon, Okay. They're treating it like a defect in the immune system. So every therapy, instead of toxic radiation, chemotherapy, and surgery, every therapy is designed to strengthen the natural body, the, the ability of the body to heal. I mean, lymphocytes. Yeah. Heck, lymphocytes are little tiny um, cancer-fighting factories. Okay, They swell up when they're producing the T lymphocytes and, and actual cells that can kill cancer. What's the surgical therapy for swollen lymph nodes? They take them out. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But I first got exposed to this by um, watching, uh, doing research for my patients. Because my patients will ask me a question. And if I don't know, I say, I don't know. I'll get back to you. I'll get find out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I came across Dr. Lorraine Day. 
And here's a gal with breast cancer that had an orthopedic surgery at, at a very, very well-known uh, hospital, San Francisco Memorial, and she had a tumor the size of a grapefruit that metastasized and grew into her chest, wall, and lung. She cured herself, no chemo, no radiation, and she actually, right, 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 the tumor right. was breaking through the skin, so they didn't remove it. They just reduced the size of the tumor, totally cured herself. And now she speaks at conferences because, well, I suffered through, I, I got her cassette tape series. I mean, cassette tape. So we're talking like a long time ago. And all the first 11 of the 12 cassette tapes, because I just wanted to find out what herb did she take? You know, what, what was... What was the secret? How do you cure this metastatic breast cancer? Yeah. And and the first 11 tapes were on the medical conspiracy, how it's not designed to cure cancer. And the last tape told me the secret to curing her cancer. Um, 330,000, I think it is, or dollars per patient. Is that right? I'm get a bit of feedback there. Is that right? Is each patient in America worth $330,000 cancer patient? Oh, oh for cancer? Yeah. Oh, I, I imagine so. Yeah. I know most, most bankruptcies are, are medical-related as well. Why, why would they want to find the cure? I, you, on a, when, you, when you look at that, there's huge financial motivation. And they, they say that without the cancer therapies, most hospitals would close. Oh. So, but, but I'm thinking that, that the guys in the trenches, I, we got two choices. Either they're ignorant or evil. And I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping to God that they're ignorant. But uh, this is the thing. So I, I'm talking, um, one of someone I know, they say, well, all these research and stuff, that you can't say that about them because they're obviously good people. They're not going to be evil. And you think, I, I know, I hope not. But if it, I don't know how they can go through their medical life and not listen to uh, people, uh, how, they, how they don't know, how they can't, like, at least stumble across people that have been doing it for years. You said, like, Cut, poison, or burn is, is traditional, uh, and everyone knows chemotherapy. Most oncologists, eighty percent of oncologists asked, wouldn't take um, chemotherapy themselves. So, uh, yes, a patient gave me this article. Okay, and it's an article out of uh, yeah. Well, this doctor in uh, Fata, Doctor Fata in Oak Park, Michigan, which is um, North North America. Uh, he told hundreds of healthy people that they had cancer. And just gave them chemotherapy, which caused other cancers. And it just this guy's evil. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of, a few people have been called out on that before. But when you say chemotherapy, um, chemotherapy, why? Well, you say you can give people cancer. Can you, can you explain a little bit on that? Why? How can? How does chemotherapy give people cancer? It, it's interesting. The the way that the medical um, system views cancer. If the tumor gets smaller, they're they're winning the battle. If the tumor gets larger, they're losing the battle. But so the tumor is cancer, is it? Uh, it's not. No, no. And and that's that's it's weird because it once I mean the real doctors that are actually curing cancer, they don't look at the tumor as the problem. The tumor is the result of the body's intelligent response to environmental stimulus. So it, the chemo or chemical therapy. They're trying to give you enough toxic um, chemicals to kill the cancer or kill the tumor without killing the patient. So you've got that balance of, of poison and this. But you, you're not going to strengthen an immune system by giving someone poison. 
And in fact, the, the, the result of chemotherapy caused so many deaths, they had to, they set up, um, they changed the rules of diagnosing a disease. If you were cancer-free for five years, you were considered cured. And it's, it's like, what disease is that? You know, I mean, you, you don't have high blood pressure for five years, you're cured of high blood pressure. I mean, there's no disease like that in the world that you have a timeline. I think the um, cure rate went up because they moved down to four years. Oh, they did? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think oh, good. I think like, oh, the cure rate's gone up. That's the same. They moved the mission rate to four years. A couple of months would be great. Yeah. I mean, they, they, I've spoken at the Cancer Control Conference before, and these are cancer doctors from around the world that are actually curing cancer. Yeah. And and it's interesting. There's uh, one one doc out of Israel with, I mean, we're talking multiple, multiple studies where they're using heat therapy for, and, and cancer um, typically dies at around 107 degrees and normal cells aren't harmed at those. So they'll heat up local tissue and then they all strengthen the immune system. And they're going to do chemotherapy, but with, Chemicals that aren't toxic. They'll do high dose vitamin C. They'll do ozone therapy. They'll do um, uh, baking soda or sodium bicarbonate therapy. They're using all of these systems to alkalinize the body to strengthen the immune system, and then it goes away. And then no one's paying attention to, like, if you have tumors on the left breast area, just taking breast cancer, as opposed to tumors on the right, why are over 80% of the breast tumors on the left side? Well, when you realize that, that the lymph, which is like the sewer system of the body, for the gut, drains to the upper left quadrant. Okay, so does that mean that if that person had antibiotics, which cause leaky gut and are poisonous molds, and every time you take an antibiotic, it increases your risk of cancer, typically breast cancer. And, of course, in the medical world, they say, we don't know why, but antibiotics are life-saving. Okay, well, I'll tell you why. You take a poisonous mold, it causes leaky gut, the lymph for the gut drains to the upper left, so this means toxic food and toxic medical therapies are going to increase lymph drainage, and that lymph drainage up in this area can actually are going to deposit toxins. The body's going to wall off those toxins using a thing called a tumor. I, I mean, it's it's like duh. If you if you get into antibiotics, that's a that's another. <laughs> um, you say you put it that thread, and that goes into an even even bigger hole. I think. Um, I remember someone saying, I think, they were, I can't remember, antibiotics or, uh, well, obviously you, you, when you take antibiotics it completely destroys all your, your gut flora and as we know, well, as you and I know, a lot of people out there will know, I think all health and disease starts in the gut, well, so a lot, and your gut's your enteric nervous system. So when you're taking antibiotics and wiping out your gut flora, it can lead to some, uh, some devastating effects. Um, uh, and just, I mean, you, you, so for example, if your patients have taken antibiotics or if they're on med medication, do you tell them to come off or how do you go about uh, that? Uh, this, this is brilliant. I've just had a discussion with another chiropractor on how you communicate this mm -hmm. because it's illegal in America for a chiropractor to say, stop your medications. Yeah also illegal for a medical doctor to say you can't have chiropractic therapy. Right. So we have this line in the sand. And this is a way to communicate and to break that pattern mindset because if you're taking a, a bottle of drugs and you're, you're taking that pill, you think in your mind that that pill is either keeping you alive or giving you some benefit. Okay? 
And, and this, is, this is the mindset of people that will take the cholesterol, antidepressant, antacid, whatever the heck the drug is. Yeah, yeah. So what I tell them is sick people need drugs. Yeah. Okay, now if you, get, if you give a healthy person those drugs, it makes them sick. Okay, so now w during our therapies, and this is when, I, when I'm talking to a patient, I'll say, I'm going to get you healthy fast. Now, if you still take those drugs... It's going to make you sick. So we're going to have a dialogue with the guy that gave you the drugs. I never call him doctors because I think anybody that's just drug and symptoms is an absolute idiot. Just quickly, just, yeah. quick, just quickly on that, I'd say like going back to, to if you look at the word doctor, um, it comes from term teacher, and that's where I'd say a lot of these doctors they are going to a doctor surgery. I haven't been in one for about eight years, but if you did, I've never really got taught anything. They were just throw pills at me. So sorry, carry on. And I say people like yourself, you're teaching, that's the great thing about this. And God bless you, man. This is, this is why you're, this, this type of program is essential because people need to take the responsibility of learning how this stuff works on their own because the doctors aren't looking at it. I had a discussion a few weeks ago with a group of medical doctors and physicians assistants and I'm talking to them about, um, you know, what the cause is. And we were talking about blood pressure. And I said, well, what's the cause? He said, we know the cause. It's idiopathic. And he said it with this, like, arrogant tone. And I said, idiopathic is the root word idiot. It means you have a friggin' clue. He says, no, it's idiopathic. And I go, well, why don't you take it one step further and, and ask the person if they're drinking enough water, if, they're, if their you know, diet is high in polyunsaturated fats, what their stress level's like, if they're breathing correctly. I mean, look at all the things that will raise blood pressure. And he says, no, 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 the diuretic beta blocker or ACE inhibitor therapy has been used for decades, and it's very effective in controlling blood pressure. I'm going, my God, man. It's, it's like talking to a drone that, that doesn't understand that the body is self-regulating and self-healing. But, but people, people want to, um, it's like you're taking the drug and the blood pressure's come, the blood pressure's come down, so well, it's working, isn't it? I'm being, I'm being cured. I'm, I'm being but that's, that's where people say, well, I haven't got blood pressure anymore. That's, that's what they say. <laughs> the, the, the easiest one to get people off of is blood pressure, okay? Because when, when I tell them, sick people need drugs, as we get your body healthy, if you keep taking the drugs, it's going to make you sick. Um, I sent them home with a blood pressure checker, and I said, okay, check it tomorrow, and I show them how to check it. And, you know, you got to deep breathe for 10 minutes. Your arm's got to be level. You don't use a, uh, a blood pressure... On your own, you don't use. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they've got a wrist blood pressure and arm blood pressure checker. All of them are automatic. It's fantastic. Okay, but but to explain to them, I say, okay, do you want to take blood pressure when you're hiking upstairs? Oh no. Do you want to take it while you're bike riding? Oh no. And I said, so so what you're telling me is that your blood pressure is going to go up and down depending on the need. And they'll say, of course. So. Uh, in order to get a consistent reading, you need to be in a consistent metabolic state. Just talking about blood pressure. So sit down with your arm level with your heart, deep breathe correctly for 10 minutes. Okay, then you take it. And what do 100% of the people say? Wow, it's too low. Good. Call the guy that gave you the drugs, tell him it's too low, and ask him. And, and the, the people typically, either they don't call the guy, they start self-experimenting. If they do call the drug guy... Um, he'll say, okay, reduce it in half, but don't stop it. It's vital. It's keeping you alive. Fear, fear, fear. You know, listen to me. Shut up. Take the drugs. It, 
It's worked, it's, it's worked, it's worked for decades, if not centuries. Fear is a, a great motivator. You say things, oh, but if I don't take them, then I might die. And you're like, well, yeah, you might. You might walk across the road and get hit by a bus, but I'm coming from a point of... Uh, the, the, whole, the whole drug therapy is based on a, a theory of homeostasis, that all bodies are supposed to maintain one level, and that's the whole thing. So they're going to give you a chemical to bring it down. Peter Sterling at a Cambridge University, okay, and he wrote a brilliant article. Oh, my God. This is like goosebump stuff. It's called uh, Principles of Allostasis, and, and Peter Sterling, Cambridge University. I mean, it's, the, the title is huge, but he, taught, he writes about allostasis, which is, this is going to take, um, not medicine, because you, you, it's not medical care, okay? It's health care, okay? Th- that's why I'm not alternative or complementary. I'm health care. Yeah. So, I, so, I, 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 so yeah. When, when you look at this, allostasis means the body is constantly changing its physiology in order to adapt. So your physiology is going to be completely different than mine. And, and my physiology is going to change throughout the day. So for me to go to a healthcare professional and they measure my vital signs and they try and bring my vital signs using a chemical to match that of what they think should be in a chart is foolish. The new healthcare system is going to be adaptive. They're going to say, look, this is what your system is now. Your body is actually in an extremely stressed state. And if you remain this way, you're going to break down and have disease. These are the therapies that you can do to find those physical, chemical, or emotional stressors, and we're going to maintain your health. That's it. No one's going to check blood pressure, cholesterol, or anything else and give you a chemical to reduce it. That's not going to be the healthcare of the future. No, I mean, as you said, we're all unique, so how can we all have the same the same vital statistics? Um, that's probably why I've got size 10 feet and you've got size 8 or 9, for example. Like everyone's different, so giving people blanket prescriptions, um, I mean, it just doesn't work. Uh, but... In my opinion, I say it doesn't work. In my opinion, it doesn't work. Before we say, it. <laughs> I don't want to get called out or anything. Well, so. well, no, no, no. It, 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 that's the cool part. It does. The drugs do work. Okay, the drugs do oh, work. Yeah. And the, the British Medical Journal did a great study on like diabetes. Yeah. Okay, metformin and glucophage, the the drugs they take to lower blood sugar in type two diabetes, does lower it. Yeah. But insulin levels remain high, and it's the insulin that kills you. So if you take a drug to lower blood glucose, your death rates increase. It's, but, it's a lot easier to take a drug, though, isn't it, than get your diet right. So that's why people, I think, would you say most people, that they're just um, living a certain way, until, that, until the pain uh, becomes more than the pain of change, that's, that's generally what happens. People... Well, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, so I've got a couple of questions that I had from people who wanted to know. Um, actually speaking to a girl the uh, two days ago who came to me for advice. Uh, she had Crohn's. She's got Crohn's disease. And the doctor, she's gone to see the doctor, and they've said, well, medications we've given you haven't, haven't worked. Um, she's on, uh, st- she's been on steroids. She's been on other um, medication. And they now they want an operation to cut away her stomach, and they say they don't. If she doesn't have this, um, then she could have bowel cancer in ten years. Uh, I gave her. I, I, I gave her my opinion. Uh, I just thought, just like to throw it into into your ball into your court and see what you'd say to that. 
the, the, the most frustrating thing with um, Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis or irritable bowel syndrome, all of those bowel disorders are inflammatory bowel conditions. Inflammation is how the body heals itself. And the drug therapies that they do absolutely will not help and they will lead to cancers. Because what drugs do they give for Crohn's disease? They'll give an anti-inflammatory to, to make the patient comfortable. They'll give a, a steroid, which really shrinks the inflammation. Okay, but the steroid weakens the immune system, and you still got these holes in the in the intestinal tract. Uh, you you've got to look. You've got to heal the intestinal tract. When you look at the natural health websites, uh, universally they talk about the inflammatory bowel diseases. You know, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, um, all healing in thirty to forty five days. You look at the medical sites, they all say drug therapy, surgery, that's it, incurable, lifetime illness. So if you're in a stress state, and this, this is the main, the, the leading thing that started the Crohn's. If you're being chased by a tiger, okay, the, the, you want blood going to arms and legs, not blood going to digestion. So you've got two immune systems that govern the automatic functions of your body. It's called an autonomic nervous system. You've got the rest, digest, and repair, which is parasympathetic. You've got the fight or flight, which is sympathetic. So under stress, the fight or flight is initiated. Now, this means that your body is going to be in a stress state. So blood supply and nerve supply to the gut is decreased or shut down. Um, cholesterol goes up. Blood sugar goes up. Heart rate goes up in order to keep you alive. Now, if you're in a chronic stress state, you have decreased or poor digestion, poor nerve supply to digestion. Now, you couple that with some toxic food, and then you couple that with medications to handle that stress loading. This is what's going to lead to an inflammatory bowel condition. And then if you go to a, an ignorant doctor that, that looks at those symptoms has not the body trying to heal an intestinal tract, and they squelch those symptoms of the body trying to heal, it's going to be progressive, then you're going to cut out the offending organ. I know, I know. And, and so, yeah, I mean, so far, we fixed 100% of the people with, with Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, and irritable bowel. But we did that not by working on the intestinal tract, but by fixing the stressors. So you got to check the nervous system first. You've got to change the diet and pre-digest food. Okay, so they're going to get on a diet of healthy fats, perhaps digestive enzymes, perhaps probiotics, something. Okay, and we'll even, and this is going to sound really silly, but to put heat on the stomach. Yep. And if you figure viruses, funguses, and bacteria die at a higher temperature, also heat's going to relax the smooth muscle of the intestinal tract, and it's going to increase the metabolic rate, and there's little cells in there called macrophages that are going to chew up abnormally placed proteins or um, any, any damaged tissue. You're actually going to increase the healing. And you're talking within weeks, within weeks, the tissue begins to build a greater integrity and the body begins to heal. So, if you were given this lady advice, um, so a bit of feedback there, can you hear that? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, so in your opinion, this is uh, completely reversible without having her stomach cut away. Oh, that's, that's, I, but we get people in Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, or inflammatory bowel conditions. Uh, we get, well, we get around 100, 150 patients a month, yeah. new patients. Yeah. 
And I'd say about a third of those have digestive disorders. Yeah. Well, I mean, the way people are eating and drinking these days, I'm not surprised. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, our food in America is way more toxic than your food. Yeah. Well, yeah, yes, yeah. It's. I think <laughs> our countries are in bed with each other, so it's get it's just getting uh, it's getting that way. Yeah. Um, and the other question I had was um, from someone whose mum, unfortunately, um, she died, but it was from. Um, pulmonary fibrosis, if I can even speak today. And just wondering your thoughts on that. Um, have, have you had any dealings with anyone? with, with All the time. Yeah. Well, pulmonary fibrosis, um, you're talking the chronic obstructive pulmonary diseases, uh, a lot of uh, pulmonary conditions. When you look at fibrosis, what that is, is there's damage to the lung tissue. And then the body, it, since there's less surface, or it, the body forms these fibrous lesions to protect it because the lungs are, are full of blood. Yeah. And if there's any damage to the lung tissue, the body's going to lay down extra, scar, extra tissue to protect that area. The problem is that that extra tissue doesn't allow for a good oxygen transfer. Okay, so... Uh, the ultimate, the primary um, pathogen is going to be either a poor digestion or high stress or toxic environmental influence. So you can get pulmonary fibrosis from working in an asbestos factory or working in a dusty environment or anything that you're breathing in that's damaging the lung tissue, you know, smoking, anything like that. You can also get it from poor digestion because your body is alive because you take uh, proteins break into amino acids, fats to fatty acids, and carbohydrates to usable sugars. If your digestion is poor, then you you lose the ability to regenerate. Like you, you may have heard of scurvy. Yeah. Okay. So scurvy is is lack of tissue integrity, and these people would have bleeding, bruising, teeth would fall out, everything. So if she's suffering from a vitamin deficiency. And then that can cause um, a weakening of the tissue, and the body's going to lay down extra tissue with such a scar tissue in order to protect it. So pulmonary fibrosis needs to, you have to look at the nervous system, the th same three stressors, physical, chemical, and emotional stress, and you have to increase digestion and increase the tissue regeneration. And this is where the medical system forgets that the body is in a constant state of regeneration. And I don't care if you're 10 years old or, you know, 90 years old. Your body is still regenerating the tissue. And your body regenerates that tissue through consistent metabolic responses. So you got to always check the nervous system, always check nutrition. You may have to detox the system. But the body is designed to be healthy. Yeah. It's not designed to be sick. So pulmonary fibrosis, if you catch it in time, the body can still regenerate, even regenerate um, lung tissue. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, you say it's similar to, you look at all the body at dis disease or the body at disease, it's a systematic approach. You say looking at it holistically and rather than, as you, I've heard you say before, and it's an analogy that I've used quite a lot, you see the, the light on the dashboard come up on your car and where they like to just smash that light out and say, well, you're fixed. <laughs> the, the, root of the, the, root, the root of the problem is still there. So, so, when, when people are looking at looking at healing or getting healthy again, as you said, I, I say alternative medicine and I say alternative because 
conventional, even though it's not conventional. Um, it wasn't conventional, I should say. Uh, I say that because people now, it, some people think the way that I talk, or I've even seen people on your site, um, the guy's a quack, uh, it's madness, it's this, it's the, it's the other. So I say alternative, but when did alternative, when did, when did natural become the alternative? That's, that's something that I'd actually like to put. Um, and just, just, um, the one, the one, the one last thing I'd actually like, like to, uh, put to you was, so with, um, so with things like superfoods, etc. where do you stand on these in terms of helping your body regenerate, helping, well, nutritionally, giving your body all the vitamins, minerals, nutrients it needs, are they essential for people? It is absolutely essential. Particularly, you look at soil health today, soil is being depleted of minerals. So this means everybody on the planet is going to need a mineral supplement. Um, and giving the extra toxins that we have, most of your nutrients should be gotten from whole food sources. But since we're under such an assault, okay, like let's say if you're living in the northern hemisphere, you're going to, going to absolutely need to supplement with vitamin D3. This is why the, the cultures used to use a lot of fatty fish, and that's where they would get the vitamin A and vitamin D. Yeah. So if you're not eating a consistent amount of fatty fish, then, then you know, you're going to have some type of deficiency. However, fish are now starting to become toxic from the amount of um, toxins that are being dumped in the ocean. You know, the radiation from Chernobyl, Fukushima. Yeah. Uh, we use the Atlantic as a depository of uh, nuclear waste for a while. So uh, it's, it's hard to get healthy um, animal sources, okay? And when you do find it, you absolutely have to supplement. Yeah. So the superfoods are essential for reversing certain diseases. But, you know, everybody's going to need an iodine supplement. Ancient Purities in England is like one of the best ones that I've seen. Um, that's where, that's where we get our iodine supplements. Uh, the, but you're going to need a um, omega three as well, whether it's plant based or animal based. You're going to need um, mineral supplements, and vitamin C is going to be essential because that's one of the vitamins that you can't supplement with. Yeah, it, it's needed in today's society. Absolutely. Yeah, you said about the soil being depleted as well. Things like zinc, magnesium. I always say people definitely need need them in their diet. Uh, most people you, you see. Zinc and magnesium massively deficient, and going on to the first because of the foods, so so as not as uh, nutritious as it should be or it was. Um, these things, are, in my opinion, are absolutely vital. Uh, yeah, I know you've got some good guys over over in America making things like um, uh, living fuel. Uh, oh. Yeah, I mean, as, as products go, I mean, I don't think much gets much better than that um, in terms yeah. of uh, in terms of their. Uh, or even even as you said, you know, GMO, irradiation stuff like that. People will need to uh, look into that because where you're getting your food from and the sources going. Because if you're not eating organic, in my opinion, you're sort of toxifying your system all the time. Well, you're not sort of. You are toxifying your system all the time. Um, so anyway, it's been great talking to you. Um, I'm sure you're extremely busy. So I'll, I'll let I'll let you I'll let you go now. But thank you very much, Doctor John Berman, for uh, coming on and having a chat with me. Uh, there's loads. That's all right. There's loads more I wanted to ask, but um, I will leave it for another day. Maybe we can get on another yeah. call. 
Um, Buddy, invite me back anytime. Yeah. This, this, is, this is fun. We got to get this information out. Yeah. So thank you so much for inviting me on. Because, I mean, honestly, if, if one person gets this information and their life has been saved or changed, dude, what a good what a good hour. Or it takes one that's what it takes one person, yeah. And people can go onto a YouTube channel or it's before www.ownersguide.com if you want to find out more about um, about John himself and listen to him speak, uh, which I suggest you do. And otherwise it's been great, John. Uh, thank you very much and um, speak to you soon. Thank you, man. Have a great day. And you, thank you. Bye bye, John. So guys, there we have it. What do you think of that? Um, we cover a lot of different topics there, and I'm sure you learned a whole, um, a whole lot that you didn't know about. So, as always, if you want to find uh, or listen to John, just go and find him at www.owners-guide.com or the I think it's the um, Bergman Chiropractic um, Clinic. If you type it into Google, and you'll find him, and. As as always, if you wanna, if you are going through your own health issues and you'd like some help, then head on over to www.reviveyourself.co and pick up your free uh, guide, your free healing health paradigm guide today. Um, and also, as I always say, if you there's some more pressing issues that you've really been struggling with and you'd like help with, then just go to reviveyourself.co forward slash contact and send me a message and we can schedule a call to delve into how we can help you and um, we'll just take it from there. Um, and always, I've got loads of free articles on there for you to read, guys, and I'm going to keep the podcast coming because I know how valuable they've been to me, listening to other people's podcasts, and I know they're going to be to you. So the next interview is going to be with Karen Thomas, and it's going to be how she healed her son of autism naturally and it's going to be a great listen for you guys out there autism is one of the most fast growing problems today um and is it linked to vaccinations well my opinion is yes um and it's no no coincidence that all these diseases that weren't around or literally unheard of back in uh just a few years ago even the 1940s are now extremely extremely prominent so that's coming up for you guys which is going to be a great show so as i mentioned um you need any help heading over to www.reviveyourself.co and look around there otherwise guys stay tuned for episode three it's going to be a great one stay happy stay healthy and i'll speak to you soon If you're struggling with gut issues, such as gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, heartburn, and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects, then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of The Healing Health Paradigm today.